Tandem Nomads, episode 146. When one of my contractors said to me, you've done so much to support this community, it's time to do something for yourself. I knew it was time to make a change. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Today, I want to talk about something that's not pleasant at all. It's about when to know when it's time to cut it off and stop that business to move on. One of the things that I realized working with entrepreneurs, even when I was a consultant in big firms, sometimes we get caught into the business and we are so passionate about that we don't want to see when things are not working and we don't see that things will never work and it is time to stop and move on. So I want to talk about this hard topic and to talk about that, I'm so excited that an amazing entrepreneur who had to make this decision is willing to share with us her journey, Marcel Yegar. Marcel, are you ready for this ride? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you so much for being here, Marcel. And Nomad Nation, let me just tell you a few words about Marcel. First of all, Marcel has been on Tandem Nomad's podcast show before in episode 29 and episode 72. So if you go to the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 146, you'll find all the information about Marcel in those episodes where she shared with us how she started her two businesses. So Marcel not only had one business, but two businesses that she created while living on the move as an expat partner. So Marcel Yeager's background is in strategic communication. When she and her husband agreed to take the first assignment abroad that he was offered, she quit her promising career back home and started taking some jobs and doing some freelance work in Uzbekistan. But very soon after that, she launched her first business, Career Valet, which provides resume support and has empowered hundreds of mid to senior level professionals and executives to reach the next level by strengthening their career narratives. But on top of that business, Marcel also launched a second one called Serving Talent, which is a service company specifically designed to help military spouses find a job and build their professional success while moving from one country to another or from one state to another. However, in 2019, Marcel made a big decision. Actually, you will tell me, Marcel, if it was 2019 or 18. Yeah, right. 2019, Marcel did this huge move, which was to close her second business, Serving Talent. And she will explain us today how she made this decision and what does she recommend to all of you who might be in a situation where your business is not meeting your needs and the market needs. So let's get started. Thank you so much again, Marcel. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Is there anything you want to add about uh, what I've shared with you about your journey? Nope, you've got it all right. Wonderful. So today you're running, you're fully focused on uh, Career Valley. Yes. Would you like to summarize a little bit what Career Valley is? Sure. So I started it in 2012 and the goal in starting it was to maintain a career while moving around as my husband became a U.S. diplomat at that time. And so I needed something both to tie myself back to the United States, where I come from, as well as be able to continue my career. 
And so the whole goal from the beginning was to actually work with professionals, mainly in the United States, but also in other countries. And I've been able to do that moving around. And of course, just being part of the expat community, a small portion of our clients are from that community, but the majority are actually still senior, mid to senior level professionals from diverse industries in the U.S. Interesting. And so when did you start that business serving talent? It was also a while ago. Yes. So that was in 2015 when I was living in Chile. um, And I met a military spouse who from the United States who wanted to explore this recruiting business opportunity with me to try to employ foreign service and military spouses. Okay. So tell us about what got you into this business. And I remember we're, we're close friends and we support each other in our businesses and work together sometimes. And I have seen you so passionate about serving talent. You were, I would say, almost even giving it more focus than Career Valley. I think probably because Career Valley was rolling on its own in a way. And it, you needed to put a lot of focus on serving talent. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? If I say anything that does not fit to the picture. Um, but I'm, I would love to know more about serving talent if you can describe how you did that, but also why you got into this business first place and what made you so passionate about it. That's a great question. So I think having you know, started Career Valet and transitioning from strategic communications for businesses and helping businesses promote themselves in the United States to taking that and promoting individuals to help them with their job search and make them stand out for employers. Yes, you're correct. Everything was going pretty steadily. Um, I had some independent contractors working for me as writers and business was kind of growing organically. And so a couple people since we started in this expat life had said to me, have you thought about doing recruiting for this community because we have people with such amazing backgrounds who have these educations and work experiences and they can't find jobs? And it was something that bothered me too. And that's the whole reason I started Career Valet and was lucky to from the start of our journey, of course, because it did give me something to do. And while it started very small, it's grown over time. And this has actually been our best year yet, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, you know, for me, it was like, I want to help these people. I want them to also find something satisfying that they can continue and hopefully take with them from post to post and not have to give up their career or recreate their identity each time. So for me, this was, I was very passionate about it. And having been asked that, I thought, you know, maybe this is really a good idea and something to try. And we generated, we kind of did a soft launch and generated so much excitement especially among the spouse community, but even and partner community, but even among businesses we first talked to. There was so much excitement. We really thought, okay, this is going to work. And I thought, sure, I have, you know, little kids, but I have enough time to also spend on this project too, because I have a business partner for serving talent. Uh, but in the end, I think it, it was just a bit too much. Yeah, that's so... I just want to highlight one thing that in a way those two businesses were not completely disconnected because the career valet is about helping people initially with their resumes. You do even more now, but initially it was helping people write effective resumes to land a job. And then serving talent was to help with job placement and finding jobs for 
military spouses. So could you tell us, before we talk about how, why you decided to quit serving talent and, and close it, uh, could you tell us about what was the business model and how you actually helped find jobs for the military spouses? Yes. So we actually started it with zero clients. I mean, really just from totally from the ground up and we gathered resumes, um, just basically really put out through word of mouth to the communities through our connections, both military and um, diplomatic community. The fact that we were operating and got lots and lots of attention that way, even media. Um, and then we literally started reaching out to companies, first companies that we knew supported veterans, so military veterans, people who'd retired um, from the military in the U.S. We thought maybe they'd be more interested in the spouses and hiring them, which was not always true. And we did a lot of outreach as well to our own contacts uh, through past colleagues and friends and family and tried to get the word out to companies that way. Um, so it really was kind of a grassroots effort, I would say. We started mm -hmm. from nothing. Yeah. Um, and again, there was a lot of excitement. We talked to a lot of partner organizations as well. Like there's a lot of um, groups, nonprofits, and small groups associated with the Department of Defense. We reached out to and then also found some champions, you know, of kind of the military cause within um, recruiting agencies and other independent folks who just kind of liked this idea and thought it was great. And those kind of became our cheerleaders, if you will, and spread mm -hmm. the word a bit. So the word was spread. So that's an interesting part is that the business, you considered it was not working and you'll tell us why, but it was generating interest. Yes. So um, before we go further, I think it's important to highlight that you had a partner in this yes. business. So you had a, a partnership in this business and that might be also important to highlight as you'll explain later. Uh, but just to understand the business model, you got a lot of interest of people who were willing to support the initiative. But then in terms of monetary payment, how would you get paid when you, 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 you will, when you would find a job for a spouse? Sure. So the way we set it up was a contingency model, which means we try to find the spouse doesn't pay anything. The company pays if the person lands the job. Mm -hmm. So we interview and screen the candidates. We send them to the company if we have you know, a job requirement from them or someone we just think would be a great match for their company. And then they would pay us a certain percentage of the first year annual salary if they were hired. Mm -hmm. And that translated to one of the challenges, which is that we did a lot of work for free mm -hmm. because you're competing with other recruiting firms. You're competing with the company's internal human resources and recruiting professionals, right? Because everybody's looking for a person to fill this job. We're not the only entity trying to find this job. And while, you know, this is a common model in the recruiting industry, neither my partner nor I had direct experience with it. Mm. And even though we talked to a lot of people, researched it, tried to be smart about what we were doing, it took a very long time to realize just how much we were doing for free. 
Wow, that's a big realization. So you were working really hard. And one thing I want to mention, you were doing all that while having your first, like your babies, by the way. <laughs> you have three kids. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you were working really hard, having two businesses and running a family on the move. So that on its own must have been so challenging. Uh, so how long have you been running Serving Thailand? And how many spouses did you manage to, to give to find a job for? So in the end, we closed it in February of this year, 2019. So um, in total, it was three and a half years that we were operating. Um, and in that time, we placed 40 partners in jobs. And wow, yeah, a lot That's of them huge. are still there. Yeah, it was a big, very big accomplishment. I'm very proud of it. And I will say, too, when we closed, what surprised me the most was we got a lot of responses from people that we'd never even heard from, but that were on our mailing list um, where we'd send newsletters monthly. And w people would say, you know, you have no idea how much you helped me to improve my resume and cover letter and, you know, or networking abilities. So even people we hadn't found jobs for had used our resources and the marketing, social media techniques we were using and benefited from our advice and so forth and newsletters. So that was made me feel very good. But of course, one of the things I think that in addition to not earning much money that made us end it, uh, you know, made it hard for me to decide to end it was that idea that I'm letting people down, mm. right? This is my community. People are counting on us. How could I let them down mm. and close this down? Even though we're working really hard, we're not making much money. That was very hard. You were making an impact. You were making an impact for so many spouses. That's a huge number. So the business itself was fulfilling its promise, but you were not getting paid for your work. And yes. that was the issue, right? Just yes. And we had some amazing clients, particularly small businesses that would come back to us again and again and hire more people and they loved us and they paid us and it was great. But we did, for the amount of outreach that we did, we were not getting the number of clients that we expected or hoped. Um, and we were, I mean, another kind of warning and, and lesson learned, I think, is over time, we pivoted and tried so many different things that we lowered our prices considerably and cut down, which cut down the value of what we were doing and the perception of the value we offered and how much work we were putting into screening people. Um, and so, because we were talking to literally every single person that came to us for a very long time, I would say for at least two and a half years of operating until we changed that a bit and then only would talk to people who we felt we could really help and place into a job. So all of that being said, um, we were just not getting the returns on our time investment. Mm. This is a huge, I really want to really talk about this uh, Nomad Nation, the price. A lot of companies and a lot of people I've been working with who struggle in their business, their first thought to be able to be competitive and get clients is to reduce prices. Marcel has just shared that. She's the living proof that cutting your prices is not the solution. Most of the time, it actually just speeds up the downhill 
uh, process. So um, great lesson and thank you for sharing that, Marcel. Um, so could you take us through how you decided to quit and close this business? Yes, I. so that was one factor, as I just mentioned, that we weren't acquiring new projects for a long time and we were making very little money for the amount of time we were putting into it. Um, that was very frustrating for me. Another issue in general was just, I had never realized how difficult recruiting is as a business. Because again, as I said, we had no experience in it. And at the same time, the third thing really is that there were so many misperceptions around the candidates we were placing. There was just not an understanding in the United States of the exceptional experience and education that this population has. And we had to fight that, right? So not only were we trying to sell something, right? Sell the person for the job and the position and the company as the right fit. We were also really having to convince them that these people are amazing and talent you wouldn't find anywhere else and loyal and going to stay with you even through moves. This that's an uphill battle as I'm sure most people in your audience know having moved around a lot. Um, so we were facing all of that. And plus one thing that didn't really occur to me is that uh, I heard somebody say recently remote work is all over the media and people think it's this big thing. But what I learned with Serving Talent and what I'm seeing even now, um, having closed it, is yes, it is becoming more accepted, but a lot of companies have not yet accepted it and are going to take a long time to accept it. And so we had instances where we tried to convince a company this person could work remotely for you because they've done it in the past for this other large company mm. and it worked great. And they would say no. So what I understand is that you started by assessing what's working and what's not working and why it's not working and then realizing that you can't really or you don't want or I don't know how you would phrase it, um, pursue this because it's just too much. And I just want to put the context also on a personal level. Can you set the picture here of where yes. you were personally when you had to make this decision? That's perfect. That's just what I was going to say. So what I was really realizing was how toxic it had become for me. And while I had a really engaged business partner in the beginning, that changed after I would say the first six months to a year. And I wasn't on my own. I did have a couple of independent contractors who we paid commission to and were working with us um, and some very closely on a daily basis. But I didn't have that strategic support from a partner anymore. I didn't have that investment. So it really was me. And I was also running career valet full time and managing that. And, and I had two little kids when I started um, serving talent. So I was I finding myself talking about it almost, you know, constantly in the evenings and neglecting career valet, to be honest just because I was so obsessed with how to make this work and why is it not working and why aren't people buying when everybody's excited about it? Um, you know, and, and I don't like to quit. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was very, very hard for me to come to that realization, but I had so many conversations 
with my husband mostly, but also friends. And it took me a long time to really hear them and accept that it was affecting me personally. And I had neglected myself, to be honest. And that's one reason I started this year saying, this is going to be a year when I focus on myself. That's so important. Yeah. So you did that realization. Uh, Okay. So what are the steps? You made that decision. Uh, You also talked really, thank you for sharing the challenges you've been through. First of all, having that feeling that you're letting people down, the also feeling that I know you, Marcel, you're a go-getter, you're not a quitter. So I can only imagine what must feel to you like, um, it feels like you're failing, I guess. Did you feel that way? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And there was actually one night I remember when something um, really hit me, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just was sobbing Mm. for like at least an hour, if not hours, Mm -hmm. Um, all alone and I everyone had gone to bed and I just felt defeated like you know I did but I felt like okay I can't do this anymore I can't do this to myself I've tried I've tried everything I've tried hard because I kept thinking maybe I'm just not doing something right there's something I'm not seeing there's something I'm missing you know I'm not marketing it right I'm not telling the value correctly to the customers but in the end it just Maybe it wasn't the right time for this business. Uh, maybe the market wasn't ready for it. Mm. You know, and, and again, recruiting is really hard. I've had recruiters since tell me they would never have started a recruiting business from the ground up. They would, <laughs> you know, they bought a business, but they would never have started it. Mm. And as I started, so, you know, I realized there was just this breaking point and I wasn't taking as good care of myself or career valet. Um, and probably driving my husband <laughs> insane with conversation after conversation. And it was time to, to do something about it. And I think he convinced me I had done so much for the community. And in fact, one of my um, contractors said to me near the end when I had made this decision, you know, it's really time you've done so much for this community. It's time for you to do something for yourself. Mm. And I thought, okay, if somebody has been working for me who says that, you know, that that's sort of a, a red flag that yeah. it's time to move on. Wow, this is so amazing. So thank you for sharing those emotions. And I'm sure that no Nation, if you're listening, going through that time, uh, I can totally understand how hard it must be. And thank you for sharing that. So what has helped you now move on? First of all, take, like, I can see that the decision was a process. And then at some point you said, okay, that's it. Um, so what has helped you besides talking with people to actually now move the process, implement, like implement that decision of stopping it, like technically, administratively? Uh, the first step really, I mean, of course, I had to, my partner was still involved in a, a small way. Um, so I had a lot of conversations with her. Um, and I, I did feel like she tried to feel me out and maybe drive me to continue. And then again, that produced a lot of pain for me because I felt again, like I was letting people down. Um, but I did, I just stuck to it and I said, Nope, I've made this decision. I'm going to move ahead. Convinced her that was true. Um, 
And then, yes, administratively, there was a lot of things like shutting down the LLC, uh, notifying providers, right? Like we had a, um, a applicant tracking software that we used um, and, you know, Google email and all of those things. We had to make sure we had a schedule for shutting those down when they were going to end contract-wise. Um, of course, we had to break the news to our contractors who were a lot more positive and not as surprised as, as I would have thought. So that mm. sort of told me this is the right timing. Um, and then clients too. We kind of did, I mean, we did an email blast to our candidate base with a thoughtful note, but it was important to me to pick out, of course, the clients who had been very recurring clients, I guess is the best term, um, and really loyal and helpful to us or sent us referrals and directly call them or reach out to them. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly it was administrative. Yeah. So those tasks are really daunting, I can imagine, especially when we have to close. You know, you're not, you're working a lot. I remember because I was talking to you during that process, it was so much work to shut down the company and in terms of taxes, in terms of admin, in terms of online tools and all the memberships to stop and all the online tools, contracts to stop, etc. But one thing I've noticed from your process is how thoughtful and mindful you were about not forgetting about the human aspect of that transition and communicating that to your stakeholders from clients to contractors to any human being connected with this business. And I think that's really important. And I love the job. You've, you've done such a fabulous job at that. It was so moving the way you wrote that Thank message. You. And so I think that's important. No nation, if you're listening, I think you need, if you get to that point, you need to be prepared to be organized with the process of shutting off a company. And if you do just be authentic, um, and that's what you did, Marcel, very authentically share the journey, share why you're closing. Don't just leave. I've seen a lot of people who just shut off their business and don't give any more news because they're ashamed or, or they don't want to tell the ugly background. And you did share some of the ugly stuff happening in the background that did not work. So I think transparency is so important. Um, and that's one message I want to share with those who are listening. And I thank you, Amal. And I do remember though I had on my list for a long time to make a video to explain mm -hmm. why we were shutting down and I wanted it to be very real and very honest and talk about even how much, how little I had made over three and a half years and, and the other reasons for shutting down. And I couldn't do it for weeks. I mean, mm -hmm. I just was not in the right place. I felt wasn't sleeping well. I felt drained. The administrative stuff was one thing, doing it behind the computer, but actually coming mm -hmm. out on the video and not just sending an email, right, was different. And so I'm very glad I did it, but I will say I had to find the right day. I had to be well rested. Mm -hmm. I had to feel positive because I'd been feeling negative for so long. Even though I knew I was making the right decision, I felt very negative. And that's not me as a person typically. So... I really wanted it to be the right day to do it. And I think it was the right decision as much as I wanted to check it off my list to wait until I felt more positive. That's important. So sometimes we have to, what I'm, what I want to highlight from this is I think it's important to be mindful and you have made this video such a good idea, this video, 
But sometimes we just need to know when is the right moment. There's a difference between quitting an idea or not doing it versus knowing that it's not the right moment and being able to do it um, when you feel ready, even if it's much after the closing so that at least people know that there is what there is behind it. So would it be possible to share that video? Sure. Is it, uh, is it on LinkedIn, I think, or something like that? Or I'll find it. Okay. We'll try to find <laughs> the link to because you. you did such a beautiful, I remember that video. It was so good and it might inspire those who might be in this position. So that would be of lovely course. if we could share it. So Nomad Nation will put the link of this video in the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 146. All right. So you've been so kind to share with us the struggle you've been through to make this decision and the process. I would love to know what happened since. So it's been amazing, to be <laughs> honest. Um, as I said earlier, it's been the best year of Career Valley's business yet. I think really what happened is starting the year, and I literally wrote it on a piece of paper that 2019, I'm focusing on myself and leaving more space for myself. And I've been neglecting that and Career Valley for too long. And so when we closed Serving Talent at the end of February, I still had a couple of months, of course, of administrative things, but as time went on, it was less and less. And my partner helped through some of that as well. And so I just got really excited about what I could do now with Career Valet. And I've always wanted to scale it. And I started to think, how can I do that? And the first step I took was to systematize all of our processes. So um, what we've done is like implemented um, G Suite within the company. So now everything is on Google Drive. We share documents with clients that way. Uh, we're using a customer relationship management system now. We use a project management tool called Trello, uh, which my writers, um, to manage the work of my writers, and the stage that the projects are in with clients. Um, I also even went through a virtual business um, program and that helped me define the value of what we're doing and that it's not just about resume writing, but we're helping extract people's strengths and give them talking points and things for interviews and networking and really helping them gain confidence. So I revamped my packages as a result of that. So there's been a lot of changes, I would say, since the March, April timeframe. And it's meant not only has revenue already increased 44% or more wow. this year. Huge. Yeah, that's huge. Thank you. And also it's made client turnaround times faster. Mm. And I've noticed that, I mean, as a result, of course, we've had more clients per month which was my goal. Um, and, and honestly, back to that human comment that you made earlier, Mel, I think a lot of what I've been doing is implementing strategies I didn't have time for before on kind of the creative marketing front. And I love that sort of work. And it's something I didn't have time for before when I was just maintaining and letting things grow organically while I had serving talent. What's happening now is I have the time to go back and send personal messages to my former clients. And I was keeping in touch with many of them 
but a lot of them I hadn't been in touch with in years. Mm. And I went back to them, checked in, had some calls with some of them. What's been happening is either they're referring more people or they're coming back for new work and different types of work, uh, which use my writing skills even in different ways than just the, you know, the job search process. So it's been amazing. I mean, I, I think that I've realized just how much I really did neglect it, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Um, I just didn't have the time for it. And I sometimes I do think, oh, I wish I had realized it's earlier mm-hmm. and closed serving talent earlier and been doing this, but then it wasn't the right time. So I have to give myself permission to understand maybe I wouldn't have been in this place in 2019 to correct correct my path, you know, and kind of think more about myself. And so honestly, it's not only opened up my space for creativity and, you know, reading books and listening to more podcasts and trying different things and experimenting. Um, And your energy is so different. My energy is different. Exactly. And know that you had a baby and gave birth in between all of what we're talking about here. Like, this is the crazy thing. Uh, I was just admiring you for still being present for your family and going through all of this. Uh, Any insights you want to share quickly about this fact that you had to do that while giving birth and also having two other kids? Yes, we had our third child in 2017. So we have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and now two-year-old. Um, and for me, I mean, I think that the way that I do it is really trying to do the things that bother me the most first. So when I, when I start my day, I have to get those things out of the way or else I feel that negativity carry with me throughout the day. I'm very aware of how I'm feeling. I am very strict about how much sleep I get. Um, In fact, like if I start thinking too much about work at a certain point at night, I know I'm going to have a harder time going to sleep. So I try to read and escape and shut that part of my brain down (laughs) faster because I know myself um, that I can do so much more in a day if I've had a good night's sleep. Um, And it's just my, honestly, I compartmentalize things, I think in a way. I I don't like that word, but I do set boundaries and I do compartmentalize and eliminate distractions. So I've been very careful about what I say yes to, Mm. what events I go to, what things I agree to. Um, I eliminate a lot of distractions. I honestly, this might sound terrible, but I don't pay attention to the news. (laughs) It's so negative and it really can derail my attitude and positivity. And I think I've also, again, going back to this is the year of me, um, I've given myself permission to be present. And, you know, if the kids are bugging me to go do something, you know, go to the park or go somewhere fun, most of the time I'm going to say yes, unless I really can't, because I'm constantly thinking, does this have to be done now? Do I have to respond to this email can it wait till tomorrow, you know, and it's a puzzle and it's not always easy. I'm not going to lie. Um, some days are better than others. Like <laughs> yesterday was a very difficult day. Just a lot of things I didn't expect coming on my plate. But for me, it's, it's about just 
yeah, trying to stay in the moment, being self-aware of how I feel and taking care of myself so that those around me and my work benefits from it. Yeah. And, and, and one of the programs that I have, I call that putting yourself up in a, as a priority. So you did that by communicating. I know because I, I've been asking you and following your journey, you've been very good at communicating with your husband, but also building your support system. And as you said, learning what you say no and yes to and, and focusing you know, focusing on what matters and what needs your attention right now. So this is fantastic and a great, thank you for sharing that because I know, and I know that despite all of that, there are days where it's just tough. It's it. And you just have to go through it and swallow it and move on, <laughs> but you're not giving up. So this is one thing that I'd like to share with you. Uh, actually, I would like you to share is what made you like stick to it and find the energy despite all those ups and downs. You have to love it. You have to love what you do. I mean, I need it. And it's still hard for me to accept the work is such a part of me. I can't let it go. Um, and the fact that it's my baby, it's my <laughs> creation, I can do with it what I want, makes it that much more important to me. Um, And so, but you have to love it. You have to love what you do. You have to get excited when you walk to your desk in the morning. Mm. You have to want to keep doing it. I mean, I don't, the hardest part for me sometimes is that it bleeds into life, right? Like I have to respond to things sometimes later than I want to if it's an urgent client question or a writer question from my team. But I... I can't let it go because I feel a responsibility. I feel um, that it's, it's something that's mine that I've created. That's, so what is the difference now with serving talent where you also loved it? How, you know, uh, that's the danger. I think of a lot of people who love their, their businesses and just decide to not quit it. Well, how would you make that difference? You loved serving talent too. I did. Yes, I did. Um, But I don't, the bottom line, to be honest, I think is, you know, and this might have been in discussion with my husband once or, or another um, close friend said, serving talent is not, you're making more money with career valet mm. than you're making with serving talent and you're not doing anything. I mean, exactly. it's not that I'm not doing anything but it was growing on its own. It was growing by itself. And you have to wonder why was that happening when I was giving it so little attention for three and a half years and yet serving talent was not. And I was spending almost all of my energy and time on that. Right. Exactly. And even talking about it constantly in networking events and I wasn't focused on career valet and I was really neglecting it. And yet I think that's, the point, right, is that as much as you don't want it to be about money, there was something there working and it wasn't working. Exactly. I wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> It's all about money. And I think that's one thing that I want to end this episode about knowing how to make a difference between a hobby and a business. If you love what you do and it's not making you money, despite the hard work, someone, the market is telling you it's enough. The market is telling you this is not it. So it is very important at some point to take your courage and say, this is not working. 
I have to move on. And you can keep it as a hobby. For example, if you wanted, if you didn't have Career Valley, maybe you could have continued volunteering or being involved in this topic that you care about. And I think you are still supporting them, actually, even if you're not doing it as a business anymore. So um, it is important to make that difference. Do you have a hobby or do you have a business? A business makes money. And if you're working and not making money, it is at some point, I would say after two, three years, it is important to start questioning um, if it really makes sense to continue. I would say too, I wish I had really assessed things at two years. Yeah. And to your point about integrating another passion in, I think what's helped me is that my writers are military or diplomatic corps spouses. And so I feel that I'm still supporting the community mm, with exactly. the work we're doing with Career Valley. So there are creative ways you can do that. Exactly. That's fantastic. So before we end, I just want to also address those who might think, okay, Marcel, you have it easy. You had a second venture to go to. It's not like I can imagine it must be hard to quit something and then not have anything left uh, and start from scratch. So I don't know if you have any insight you wouldn't want to share for anyone who might not have another business to go to. I mean, if you're assessing things and feel as I did that something's not working and it's toxic or it's hurting you personally, physically, emotionally, then there is something wrong and you need to trust your gut. And even if you don't have the answer immediately, mm. it will come to you. Wow. I love it. Self that space. That's when things come. I get some of my best ideas when I'm driving or eating dinner or even with the kids, you know, something will come to me. Just give yourself that space. This is so powerful, Marcel. I could not like end in a better way. I hope Nomad Nation that you can take every single word that Marcel just shared, even if you don't have another venture to go to. And one thing I want to add to that, invest in yourself, get the help you need, a life coach, a career coach, a business coach, or any kind of mentor or other professionals who can help you move on and start your new journey because it is very important and know that you're not starting from scratch. Whatever you did in the past is going to help you to, uh, to be able to build up on those skills you've built with your first business. I guess, Marcel, I see you nodding and I guess you agree with that. <laughs> I am definitely agreeing with that. And I neglected to say one thing, um, which is I, also, I'm always good at follow-up right after I meet someone, but I'm not as good over time, I've realized, except with clients. And those clients from Serving Talent, a lot of them have been excellent champions now of what I do with Career Valet. So I have seen that how it is helping me. I just had to come out and say, this is what I do now. Would you like to be on my mailing list? Or if you would like to support us in some way, and that's been huge. And in fact, I have since um, supported an old client from Serving Talent. So those things are not to waste, as you said. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely true. You can leverage a lot of things. You didn't do it for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Wow. 
perfect. You just dropped the mic, Marcel. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nomad Nation. This is such a, um, an important topic that I'm so glad. Marcel, thank you so much for being so generous with sharing your journey. I'm sure that those who are maybe listening to this and going through that time, I can only imagine how helpful it must be. If you're listening and you're in that situation, please leave a comment. Let us know about what is your journey and what are your struggles. We'd love to help you uh, any way we can through the comments. So go to tandemnomads.com slash 146. <laughs> Marcel, before we say goodbye, is there, could you just summarize uh, your next steps now with Career Valet? What are you focused on and where can we find you? Well, you can find me at Career Valet. Career Valet is one word, V-A-L-E-T.com. Um, and there, there's a blog with a lot of resources that I share with tips for job search. Um, and if anyone would like to sign up for our bi-monthly newsletter, you get a video tutorial that talks about how to focus your job search, three tricks to do that. Excellent. So check it out, Nomad Nation. We will put all the details on tandemnomads.com slash 146. Thanks again, Marcel. It's been a joy talking to you. And Nomad Nation, see you in the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities just like Marcel showed you today. Thank you, Amel.